0: Hey there and welcome! You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Parkview Global Podcast. My name is Bill Carroll and I am the Global Pastor at Parkview Christian Church right outside of Chicago. As always, I am joined by Christy Mullen, Parkview's Africa Coordinator. Welcome, Christy.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: We want to invite you to follow along with us as we welcome a different one of our global partners on the podcast each month. Today, we are joined by two of the staff from Orchard Group Church Planting. A few of our major global partners are not individuals, but instead church planting organizations. And these groups are experts at starting new churches. The, uh, the work that they do is both exciting and it's also on the front edge of the Great Commission. We're really excited to partner with them. Uh, The first guest joining us is Brent Storms, the president of Orchard Group Church Planting. Welcome, Mr. President, or may I call you Brent?
1: (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Glad to be here.
0: And we're also joined by Jordan Rice, who is the New York City Region Director of Orchard Group. And I think you'll see in our conversations uh, how how important that position is in the history of Orchard Group. So welcome, Jordan. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right. First things first, guys. An ongoing debate on the Parkview Global podcast: Chicago pizza versus New York pizza. Because I know Jordan, you're in New York, and, and Brent, you lived in New York for a long time, so you've probably had both. Compare and contrast.
2: Uh, I'll go first. I love the style and uh, I love the taste of Chicago's casserole uh, type dish. I'll also referred to as pizza. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. It shouldn't be called pizza. Um, As with everything New Yorkers, we're supremacists. We believe everything we do is the best, so I'm
0: going to go with New York. Well played. How about you, Brent? Uh,
1: I just don't even think it's a comparison. I can't even give it to the the love that Jordan does uh, on New York (laughs) York pizza all the way. It also has the practical value for New York pizza. You can fold it in half and walk down the sidewalk while you're eating. So can't do that with Chicago pizza.
0: For for sure. I can't even imagine the calorie count um, difference also because, I mean, Chicago is like – like, I can eat, like, three times a year tops so at best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So, again, so glad to have you on. And, like, start from the beginning and tell us Orchard's story.
1: Well, um, it is an interesting uh, story because it took some twists and turns, especially very early on. Uh, or- Orchard Group was started by a man who had a desire to be a missionary in the Soviet Union back in the 1940s. And so he embedded himself in a Russian community in New York in order to get uh, cultural knowledge and hopefully learn the language and all of that so that he could make his way into the Soviet Union as a missionary. And obviously in the 1940s, that was a tough challenge and didn't work out, but being in New York allowed him to see the need for churches to be started there for the gospel to be shared there. And so, uh, orchard group started, uh, planting new churches in the New York city metro uh, in the 1940s. And that continued really for decades, the focus was on the city and then the immediate surrounding suburbs, places like Long Island and New Jersey and Southern Connecticut, even down into Pennsylvania. And so for decades, that was our, our story is a New York city regional um, organization. And uh, I got involved. I planted a church myself with orchard group in the Boston area in the oh. 1990s. And when I became president in 2007, our board uh, really gave me the freedom to say, we don't need to be defined by our past. Where do we want to go into the future? And uh, our feeling at the time was, what if we, instead of thinking regionally about our focus, started thinking demographically about our focus? So planting churches in cities and in major metros, wherever they were in the U.S. or in the world. And so uh, over time, our focus shifted from being regionally oriented to being city focused in the U.S. and around the world. And so now we've planted churches in places like Chicago and Miami and San Francisco and Los Angeles and you know lots of cities in between, Seattle. Uh, we've also started working uh, internationally in some cities as well. And so the idea was like, let's take what we've learned from working in a place like New York City and hopefully apply those learnings in places that are very similar Mm-hmm. Even though they're not necessarily uh, New York City specific,
0: yeah, I know that's true. Because when we were in Paris, we we were in a network, and we had a lot more in common with people from New York and Amsterdam, or major metropolitan cities, than we did with smaller cities in France. So I, I love that you have that that focus. That that's awesome. So so very clearly, guys. I mean, Orchard Group has been dedicated to reaching the major cities of the world. That's like that's your thing, and I love that. Why the cities?
2: That's a great question, Bill. I think, I mean, all of it is super important—the cities, the suburbs, uh, rural areas. Um, last year, before the run- uh, before the pandemic, Brent and I were on a, uh, a panel at Exponential, and we were probably one of the funnest panels I've ever been on. Nice with the co- college campus planters and uh, rural planters, and man, wherever you are, it's it's all super important. I've always been drawn to cities personally uh, since my call to church planting, and I think that's been a, a, a distinctive of an orchard group, mainly because of really what you see in terms of the, the density, the, the difficulty, in oops, the, uh, the density, the difficulty, uh, the disparity that you see in a lot of places, um, and really just the beautiful disparity, I mean, the diversity of, of cities and what they offer, it's really unparalleled in so many different ways so one of the things that we see um is also the influence that cities have and their ability to to really radiate their influence a long way out and tim keller would say uh he's much smarter than i side note you can almost say anything and just say tim keller would say <laughs> and just end it with that and then people will believe you uh but tim keller would say that most if you just historically you look most movements start out of cities and then radiate the other way around not the other way um so uh, that, that's probably one reason that Orchard Group does it. And we found a lot of similarity, just like you said, Bill, of a uh, New York to Paris to Amsterdam, that New York is more similar to Paris than it is to Piscataway, New Jersey, even though Piscataway is much closer.
0: Yeah, I love that because that's definitely the model of the Book of Acts too, because Paul started in all the major cities and the churches broke out from there. So I mean, every reason in the world to follow that model, for sure. Oh yeah.
2: Can you talk a little bit more, Jordan, about some of the um, the concerns of the city church? Yeah, I mean, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, you know, there's, there's probably uh, a lot, of some, some difference that we're, that's evolving, but I think one of the challenges that we always face is just how ridiculously expensive yeah. it is to just go to the grocery store in the city, and just, there's a lot of amazing opportunities, but also a lot of pressures. Many of them surround around just how expensive everything is, an apartment, that's small and barely has anything, any amenities, and the pressure that it puts on young families uh, to be locked up in a, an apartment with no green space during a shelter-in-place order is not fun. Um, so there's there's that, and it's also really in some ways, um, people move to New York City, for example, to get away from church and to get away from religion. So they didn't come here, many, they didn't come here looking for a church. They came here happy to not be near their old community where they felt pressure to come to church. So there really is a, a cultural pressure against going to church, which in some ways plays well for us, because if you, if you show up, people tend to be more serious about wanting to engage with Jesus. Uh, we don't have nearly as many cultural Christians um, that just want to check out the box. But at the same time, people are very content to have nothing to do with Christianity or Jesus. In fact, I think in a lot of ways, we have to do a lot of work to to separate jesus and the gospel and the message of scripture from their previous negative experiences which many times were not really about the gospel at all it was just about kind of behavior in churches
0: wow that that was a pretty heavy statement so like <laughs> unpack a little bit jordan so why are the cities why do the cities tend to be a place where people do migrate to or that are looking to get away from some of the baggage maybe from from previous experiences, or why do you think in particular that they pe- people can dis- distance themselves from the church there?
2: That's a good question. I mean, in some ways, it's a fresh start, and uh, there's post college, they move to cities, they're making a lot of money, so they're no longer under mom and dad's wallet, and they can't, they don't have to rely on anybody. And culturally, it's so accepted to not be a Christian here in New York. Culturally, it's so accepted to not. Have any ties to any organized religion at all, and I think people, um, for a variety of reasons back home, that they weren't discipled well in their home churches. And this is again why we need church great, solid gospel preaching churches everywhere. And they've had negative experiences, or they just get their inferences of Christianity from the news or, or whatever the other medium is. And you know, so I, and also cities are fun, cities are just a fun place to go if you want to have a good time go to a city the arts and the scene and the nightlife it's a lot of fun and the age group of people who tend to move to cities I would say that 25 to 35 year old age bracket which I no longer belong to um, <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun time of life and people kind of want to just experience and and have fun in those times
0: yeah so Jordan you alluded to it but like besides being the New York uh, regional director I mean you also have planted a church in New York so yeah, tell, yeah. Tell, us, tell us about your journey a little bit there and what and, and what you've learned.
2: Yeah. Well, well, I've I've learned a lot just now. I'm no longer consciously ignorant. Now I've kind of moved to the, I mean, I'm no longer unconsciously ignorant. Now I'm somewhat consciously ignorant of the things (laughs) that I I don't know. So we planted Renaissance church about coming up on six years ago. It's going to be an awkward uh, celebration of six years in September. Uh, But uh, through Orchard Group, I'm an attorney by trade and had this nagging suspicion that God wanted me to plant a church and I had somewhat of a circuitous route based on my own personal uh, life difficulties and some uh, some difficulties with health in my family and um, took a little pause. And uh, actually, Brent and I were friends at uh, a church we were going to in the city. And um, as a result of this, our friendship and a conversation, I didn't even know what Brent did for a little bit, actually. <laughs> and um, I didn't even know what church planting was. I just knew that there were organizations that specialized in helping people like me who had a passion uh, to, get funded and to get resourced and also to get trained on how to plant the church. So that was about eight or nine years ago. And then six years ago, we started Renaissance church in Harlem. It's a multicultural expression of the gospel in the best neighborhood on the planet. And uh, things are going, things are going really well.
0: well. Brent, you mentioned, I know in previous conversations before about like, there's something special about Jordan and the relationship that you've had with Jordan and stuff. Will you unpack that a little bit
1: and just kind of also the excitement about what could be ahead for Orchard? Well, um i'm not sure exactly where you're where you're wanting me to go but one thing i wanted to pick up on that christy just mentioned or the question that she asked and jordan spoke to was about the um, the expense of a city Mm -hmm. and it is a real concern and one of the things we appreciate about uh, partners like parkview is understanding that it does cost more to plant a church in a city there's a lot more front-end capital investment But here's the flip side of that, that people don't always think about is a church like Renaissance, to be able to get started and become self-supporting, we required over a million dollars of outside support from partner churches. That's a lot of money to help start a brand new church. But because of the income that people earn in those churches like Renaissance and because of their development of disciples and the development of generosity in people, they're able to give away a lot of resources to other mm-hmm. church planting and mission efforts. And so I don't know that it's true already, but it will soon be true that Renaissance will have given more money out to wow. church planting efforts and missions efforts internationally awesome. or, than they received. So yeah, the the front end barrier is really a challenge. Uh, but the, the result is that that kingdom return on investment is really high uh especially when things go well as they have under jordan's leadership um yeah i mean i one of the things i deeply appreciate about jordan is the um, crisis of faith that he had to go through Um, and maybe he'll share just a bit more about that but watching him handle himself through like one of the hardest things i can possibly imagine and then how god's worked in his life through then uh really makes me respect it, it when jordan talks about trusting god through difficult times uh you know he's speaking from the heart and he's lived what he's talking about i think people sense that about him so that's awesome do you want to why don't you just quickly share uh jordan more about the backstory there without us yeah. yeah
2: yeah alluding to it over and over again so um 2010 i was i just crossed the stage from seminary graduation and told my parents, who I was working with at their law firm, that I was going to leave law and start a church. And I think about two to three weeks after that, I was in the hospital with my wife, and you know she wasn't feeling well. Uh, found out later that she actually uh, had uh, an incurable, inoperable tumor on her heart, and um, they gave us a couple of weeks of uh, a, di- a prognosis for her survival. And she is she was much stronger and more valiant than I ever could be and battled very bravely for about 10 months and she passed away. And in a lot of ways, I didn't think I would ever even go to church again because I was so angry and so disappointed and felt like, man, God, like I just told everybody I was going to plant a church. If there's anybody's life who should be protected, should be mine. And uh, the idea of planting a church, which is already a bad idea, it's an even worse idea <laughs> as an unmarried person who was just, who just lost his, his wife to cancer. Yeah. And, um, so I, about a year and a half after that, I just couldn't shake this feeling. I was like, man, Jordan, just give it up, give it up, man. Like, just live your life, make some, make money, practice on law. My, my practice had, was doing well and I just couldn't shake it. And, uh, that's when we started the conversations more seriously with me and Brent Orchard group. And, um, yeah, I, we, they took the, the the chance on me that we would, you know, have some things in, in place. And um, yeah, that was probably eight years ago and probably two, three weeks after that kind of official meeting, uh, I met my present wife, who's also widowed. She lost her late husband in a motorcycle accident mm-hmm. um, two and a half months after they got married. And uh, we met through some friends about a, a year and a change after my late wife passed away. And, uh, you know, as soon as we met, I you know just started my stalking program i would i begged her to beg for her to let me stick around with her and she did graciously so uh, that now we have two boys and uh five and two and we're, we're having a good time and things are great awesome that is an amazing story talk about faith thanks for sharing so, yeah. your jordan oh yes you're welcome so um how, so, how does Orchard, as a church planting group, then come alongside someone who's wanting to plant? What what unique um, qualities, yeah, support did they do? You guys offer?
1: Yeah, did well, you offer wanna, Jordan and others. Yeah, sure. I want to um, affirm what uh, Jordan said earlier. Um, we know that there it requires a lot of different church planting organizations focused on a lot of different places, and so while we're uh, strongly supportive of other groups that do amazing work, uh, we do think there are some things that make Orchard Group unique. And so uh, focus on those things. Uh, one, as we've already said, is city focus, So we're focused on places with density, diversity, income disparity, and spiritual difficulty. So city focused. The second thing is that we're highly selective with our uh, church planting candidates. So we're not necessarily the kind of organization that feels like we have a system that can build up Um, An average leader and help them succeed. Uh, We really feel like we're better at helping the ones that have the greatest gifts and the highest potential because if they can get a healthy church started, they will lead to lots of other new churches into the future. And So we're really focused on the the really uh, highest caliber leaders. The third thing is that we fully share the fundraising burden with the church planter. There are some groups out there that will say, if you work with us, here's what you get, there's the package you get, and then everything else is up to you. Uh, And that really puts a lot of strain and stress on a church planter, especially financially. And we just don't think that's feasible in a city. And so we come along a church planter and we share that fundraising burden until all the partner churches are on board and lined up. We don't feel like our work is done. And so we, we share that burden with them. And then the fourth thing is that we form and lead a management team that stays with the church plant until they have a full team of local leaders in place uh, that will eventually become an eldership. So we, we really have a strong uh, belief in the value of uh, you know a plurality of leaders standing shoulder to shoulder with the church planter or the pastor of that church. And we don't want them to rush into that. And so we'll have representatives from partner churches that will walk with them usually for three or four or five years, providing oversight and support and counsel until they have that kind of team in place uh, themselves. So there are other groups that do some of those things, but we really feel like Orchard Group might be the only group that we're familiar with that's city focused, selective with our hiring. Uh, shares the fundraising burden and then stays with it from a management team or oversight team perspective until they're really self-supporting, self-governing, and ideally self-replicating, starting other churches. That's awesome. Um, so you talked about
2: some of the places here that you've started churches. Um, how about internationally? Where has Orchard gone?
1: Yeah, well, um you know it, for us there are lots of cities where we love to plant churches we only will go to places where we know we have a great leader and almost always we're focused on planting with indigenous leaders Good. so uh, people who are either from that city or at very least from the country where they're going to be planting and so for example um Parkview's familiar, some, some teams from Parkview have even gone over to Ireland in Limerick where we have a planter, Dermot O'Mahony there, an Irish uh, uh, church planter who's doing good work uh, in Paris, which we referenced earlier, uh, Etienne Koning, a, a French uh, leader who's planting a church in Paris. A Nigerian uh, man named Femi who's planting in Lagos, Nigeria, one of the most rapidly growing cities in the entire world. Like, I think it's like a half a a million people, new residents a year for a few years uh, running up until I don't know what the pandemic has done to that. Uh, Cape Town, South Africa, Istanbul, Turkey, uh, Bangalore, India. Uh, We've helped with some churches in Nagoya and Osaka, Japan. Uh, and we're always on the lookout for, for more new uh, leaders in other cities, too.
0: Love that. We're actually interviewing uh, Dermot from Ireland uh, th- this next week. But he ha- you actually pronounced his, his Gaelic name correctly. <laughs> he he gave me the, the dumbed-down version. And just says, I'll yeah. oh, just say, Oma, oh,
1: honey, because yeah. I get yeah. this. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice job, especially being the boss, Brent. Good job. Uh, well, it, 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 several trips over there. I'm, I, I can't. I can't always understand everything that as people say in their Irish accents. And I, <laughs> in fact, with Dermot, I can be in the car with him and he's speaking in English with the people in the car and then he'll get a phone call from a family member and he starts speaking to them and he's still speaking in English, but I cannot understand <laughs> what he's saying. So. Dermot, uh, uh, J- Jordan actually got to go on a, a visit over there. A lot of times we like, right. like our US planters to try to get connected with our international yeah. planters because they can help each other. So
2: One yeah. of the best trips of my life, it was great.
0: Totally. And listeners, don't miss that episode with Dermot because he is he's wired. and He's hilarious.
2: He's uh, he's crazy.
0: He's good. All right, guys, so we, we love stories on the podcast. So can you both tell us one of your favorite orchard success stories?
1: Yeah, I'll start out here. Um, and and it's hard because this is kind of like picking between your favorite kids. Uh, you know, you know I, I am so proud of all of the planters that we work with, the work that they're doing, the obstacles they overcome. The way God uses them to grow His church, um, and uh, but really, it's been a delight for me to watch Jordan lead at Renaissance Church in Harlem. Uh, they have grown rapidly by New York City standards, like mm. ridiculously uh, strong and healthy. So soon, they're as he said, almost six years old. Uh, pre-pandemic, averaging about six hundred people, had just topped a yeah. thousand for the first wow. time at the end of last year. Um, they're doing an excellent job reaching their community. It's a beautiful expression of the church because while Harlem is is, is historically an African-American community, uh, there are a lot of young people who have moved there from lots of different uh, backgrounds. And so that, that uh, beauty and diversity is really highly reflected at Renaissance. Uh, but I really also respect Jordan because of how uh, he's developed other leaders. And so they have a great group of leaders who are now standing shoulder to shoulder with Jordan at Renaissance and they've been sending out church planters. So, nice. uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, Renaissance really fully supported a young leader named Kenny Hart, who is uh, from Harlem and he's planted in Harlem about a mile away. It's wow. fun on a Sunday morning, again, pre pandemic, or hopefully after you can walk from Renaissance church to the gathering church. Wow! And, uh, but they really have very different personalities. So uh, Renaissance looks a certain way with the people that it's reaching in its exact little neighborhood, but just a mile away uh, where Kenny's leading, it would be almost all African-American, maybe a handful of of other uh, people uh, represented, but that that reflects their little pockets of Harlem that they're serving in. And, And the gathering is already, I don't know, 300 people or so. Jordan could say more about that, but they're just a couple of years in and really going strong. And then uh, Jordan also raised up a leader, uh, Russell Rader, who's gonna be planting a church in lower Manhattan in the Union Square. a wow. uh, Really big transportation hub uh, in uh, in lower Manhattan and uh, a great young leader who is uh, poised to reach that uh, people group there. And then we have an eye on the Bronx and some potential candidates for that. So a lot of this is due to what we see is if you get a great leader good resources good coaching good support and then let them lead in their own unique way with their personality and gifting they create something beautiful but it has the potential to reproduce over and over again This is why we call ourselves orchard group we want to see multiplication and and jordan god's used jordan to do that
0: beautiful how about you jordan favorite story
2: uh too many to choose from Um, i'll just i'll choose i'll piggyback on what brent just said about kenny Kenny's like my little brother in the ministry. And one of the things that's so fascinating about church planting is the more church plants, healthy, vibrant gospel-centered church plants you have in a region, they're not picking and borrowing from each other and, you know, members are going back and forth from one to another. They're actually, we it actually accelerates growth exponentially gospel movement in the city period. So, um, Kenny coming to Harlem and planting an amazing church strengthened our church we grew faster with better disciples because of not just even the stuff we were doing, it's like a rubber band effect that really has an amazing impact. And Kenny's an amazing leader. He was just in the New York times featured for some social action that they were doing and uh, profound prophetic, amazing, hilarious leader. And I've seen, you know, firsthand that, you know, a lot of times we will talk to people and they'll say, well, what is it like to have a church down the street, like five minutes down the street? I'm like, it's amazing. First of all, there's a half a million people in Harlem yeah. alone. Nobody, I mean, people who go to church, they don't have, they've never heard of Renaissance, even though we're a half a mile away, because our focus is on people who don't know Christ, and so that that just our, um, and we're wanting to see more things happen in Harlem and certainly in other parts of the city like the Bronx and Russell, in downtown Manhattan. So it's it's really good seeing New York City churches and Brandon Watts in Brooklyn, who's killing it. Um, it's it's amazing to see how the New York City churches. For example, as one pocket of Orchard Group, are strengthening each other, and it's so, it's so good.
0: Love it, guys! Super excited for you. Super excited to be a part of what you're doing. So, last question then: How can our listeners pray for Orchard Group and its churches?
1: You want to go first, Jordan?
0: Yeah. So I would say some of this
2: is, you know, we have to be creative in a in a post-pandemic world. We have to be safe and smart and wise and creative. Uh, a lot of our churches, for example, like Renaissance, we meet in a school and the DOE, not that we're able to even go back because of what happened in New York. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know what a post-pandemic world looks like in terms of space and meeting spaces and all of all of the things. Um, so yeah, pray for creativity and doors to open for us to continue with the mission.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I would add, um... You know, one of the things I'm so grateful that God has done uh, with Orchard Group is, uh, is around racial diversity. Uh, We have an organizational history of over 70 years, a lot of that working in a place like New York city, but it's actually quite surprising to look back and realize that for decades on decades, we only had a handful of leaders planting churches who were not white leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some, Portuguese-speaking Brazilian leaders, um, Indian, uh, Hispanic leaders, a handful of African-American leaders, but really it had not been a strength of ours. And honestly, when Jordan came along and with our international efforts expanding, uh, it's now true that we look back and in the last six years uh, over half or right at half of the leaders that we've worked with are African-American, Hispanic, um, Asian. And so God's really expanded our diversity, but at the same time, he's opened our eyes to the need to be um, pursuing racial justice. And obviously our whole world is tuning into this need right now, um, hopefully. And uh, so I just asked for prayer that we'd have wisdom about how to pursue that. I've really been convicted that, um, you know, in, in in the Christian story, we first get justice, God offered his son as a way for us to have, to make, to justice to be done so that we might be reconciled. Mm -hmm. And I really am afraid sometimes that if we're only talking about reconciliation racially, we're not dealing with a justice issue, then we're getting it backwards, or we're going to get a thin veneer of reconciliation, but it won't be true because it didn't pursue justice first. So I don't know exactly what that means, but I'd really ask that you'd pray with us That our churches would pursue justice so that we can get reconciliation and you know i i I know god needs to do that work but i think we can join him and i want to do that well
0: that's beautiful yeah we would love to join you in, in praying for that we'd like to remind all of our listeners that you can find information in the show notes for both orchard group as well as renaissance church and a lot of the things that we talked about as well as you can find information on all of our global partners That we support. And guys, again, Brent and Jordan, just um, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for letting us be a part of all the exciting things that God's doing uh, through Archer Group.
1: Well, we're so grateful for Parfum. You guys have been amazing partners and it's a joy to work with you. Awesome.
0: Blessings, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks. Thanks. Good night.